0: volume two chapter sixteen of the tenant of wildfell hall by anne bronte this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine volume two chapter sixteen provocations nineteenth in proportion as lady lowborough finds she has nothing to fear from me and as the time of departure draws nigh the more audacious and insolent she becomes she does not scruple to speak to my husband with affectionate familiarity in my presence when no one else is by and is particularly fond of displaying her interest in his health and welfare or in anything that concerns him as if for the purpose of contrasting her kind solicitude with my cold indifference and he rewards her by such smiles and glances such whispered words or boldly spoken insinuations indicative of his sense of her goodness and my neglect as makes the blood rush into my face in spite of myself for i would be utterly regardless of it all deaf and blind to everything that passes between them since the more i show myself sensible of their wickedness the more she triumphs in her victory and the more he flatters himself that i love him devotedly still in spite of my pretended indifference on such occasions i have sometimes been startled by a subtle fiendish suggestion inciting me to show him the contrary by a seeming encouragement of hargrave's advances but such ideas are banished in a moment with horror and self-abasement and then i hate him tenfold more than ever for having brought me to this god pardon me for it and all my sinful thoughts instead of being humbled and purified by my afflictions i feel that they are turning my nature into gall this must be my fault as much as theirs that wrong me no true christian could cherish such bitter feelings as i do against him and her especially the latter him i still feel that i could pardon freely gladly on the slightest token of repentance but she words cannot utter my abhorrence reason forbids but passion urges strongly and i must pray and struggle long ere i subdue it it is well that she is leaving to-morrow for i could not well endure her presence for another day this morning she rose earlier than usual i found her in the room alone when i went down to breakfast oh helen is it you said she turning as i entered i gave an involuntary start back on seeing her at which she uttered a short laugh observing i think we are both disappointed i came forward and busied myself with the breakfast things this is the last day i shall burden your hospitality said she as she seated herself at the table Ah here comes one that will not rejoice at it she murmured half to herself as arthur entered the room he shook hands with her and wished her good morning then looking lovingly in her face and still retaining her hand in his murmured pathetically the last last day yes said she with some asperity and i rose early to make the best of it i have been here alone this half hour and you you lazy creature well i thought i was early too said he but dropping his voice almost to a whisper you see we are not alone we never are returned she but they were almost as good as alone for i was now standing at the window watching the clouds and struggling to suppress my wrath some more words passed between them which happily i did not overhear but annabella had the audacity to come and place herself beside me and even to put her hand upon my shoulder and say softly you need not grudge him to me helen for i love him more than ever you could do this put me beside myself i took her hand and violently dashed it from me with an expression of abhorrence and indignation that could not be suppressed startled almost appalled by this sudden outbreak she recoiled in silence i would have given way to my fury and said more but arthur's low laugh recalled me to myself i checked the half-uttered invective and scornfully turned away regretting that i had given him so much amusement he was still laughing when mr hargrave made his appearance how much of the scene he had witnessed i do not know for the door was ajar when he entered he greeted his host and his cousin both coldly and me with a glance intended to express the deepest sympathy mingled with high admiration and esteem how much allegiance do you owe to that man he asked below his breath as he stood beside me at the window affecting to be making observations on the weather none i answered and immediately returning to the table i employed myself in making the tea he followed and would have entered into some kind of conversation with me but the other guests were now beginning to assemble and i took no more notice of him except to give him his coffee after breakfast determined to pass as little of the day as possible in company with lady lowborough i quietly stole away from the company and retired to the library mr hargrave followed me thither under pretense of coming for a book and first turning to the shelves he selected a volume and then quietly but by no means timidly approaching me he stood beside me resting his hand on the back of my chair and said softly and so you consider yourself free at last yes said i without moving or raising my eyes from my book free to do anything but offend god and my conscience there was a momentary pause very right said he provided your conscience be not too morbidly tender and your ideas of god not too erroneously severe but can you suppose it would offend that benevolent being to make the happiness of one who would die for yours to raise a devoted heart from purgatorial torments to a state of heavenly bliss when you could do it without the slightest injury to yourself or any other this was spoken in a low earnest melting tone as he bent over me i now raised my head and steadily confronting his gaze i answered calmly mr hargrave do you mean to insult me he was not prepared for this he paused a moment to recover the shock then drawing himself up and removing his hand from my chair he answered with proud sadness that was not my intention. I just glanced towards the door with a slight movement of the head, and then returned to my book. He immediately withdrew. This was better than if I had answered with more words, and in the passionate spirit to which my first impulse would have prompted. What a good thing it is to be able to command one's temper. I must labour to cultivate this inestimable quality. God only knows how often I shall need it, in this rough dark road that lies before me in the course of the morning i drove over to the grove with the two ladies to give millicent an opportunity for bidding farewell to her mother and sister they persuaded her to stay with them the rest of the day mrs hargrave promising to bring her back in the evening and remain till the party broke up on the morrow consequently lady lowborough and i had the pleasure of returning tete-a-tete in the carriage together for the first mile or two we kept silence i looking out of my window and she leaning back in her corner but i was not going to restrict myself to any particular position for her when i was tired of leaning forward with the cold raw wind in my face and surveying the russet hedges and the damp tangled grass of their banks i gave it up and leant back too with her usual impudence my companion then made some attempts to get up a conversation but the monosyllables yes or no or humph were the utmost her several remarks could elicit from me at last on her asking my opinion upon some immaterial point of discussion i answered why do you wish to talk to me lady lowborough you must know what i think of you well if you will be so bitter against me replied she i can't help it but i'm not going to sulk for anybody our short drive was now at an end as soon as the carriage door was opened she sprang out and went down the park to meet the gentlemen who were just returning from the woods of course i did not follow but i had not done with her impudence yet after dinner i retired to the drawing-room as usual and she accompanied me but i had the two children with me and i gave them my whole attention and determined to keep them till the gentlemen came or till millicent arrived with her mother little helen however was soon tired of playing and insisted upon going to sleep and while i sat on the sofa with her on my knee and arthur seated beside me gently playing with her soft flaxen hair lady lowborough composedly came and placed herself on the other side to-morrow mrs huntingdon said she you will be delivered from my presence which no doubt you will be very glad of it is natural you should but do you know i have rendered you a great service shall i tell you what it is i shall be glad to hear of any service you have rendered me said i determined to be calm for i knew by the tone of her voice she wanted to provoke me well resumed she have you not observed this salutary change in mr huntingdon don't you see what a sober temperate man he has become you saw with regret the sad habits he was contracting i know and i know you did your utmost to deliver him from them but without success until i came to your assistance i told him in few words that i could not bear to see him degrade himself so and that i should cease to no matter what i told him but you see the reformation i have wrought and you ought to thank me for it i rose and rang for the nurse but i desire no thanks she continued all the return i ask is that you will take care of him when i am gone and not by harshness and neglect drive him back to his old courses i was almost sick with passion but rachel was now at the door I pointed to the children, for I could not trust myself to speak. She took them away, and I followed. Will you, Helen? continued the speaker. I gave her a look that blighted the malicious smile on her face, or checked it, at least for a moment, and departed. In the anteroom, I met Mr. Hargrave. He saw I was in no humour to be spoken to, and suffered me to pass without a word but when after a few minutes seclusion in the library i had regained my composure and was returning to join mrs hargrave and millicent whom i had just heard come downstairs and go into the drawing-room i found him there still lingering in the dimly lighted apartment and evidently waiting for me mrs huntingdon said he as i passed will you allow me one word what is it then be quick if you please i offended you this morning and i cannot live under your displeasure then go and sin no more replied i turning away no no said he hastily setting himself before me pardon me but i must have your forgiveness i leave you to-morrow and i may not have an opportunity of speaking to you again i was wrong to forget myself and you as i did but let me implore you to forget and forgive my rash presumption and think of me as if those words had never been spoken for believe me i regret them deeply and the loss of your esteem is too severe a penalty i cannot bear it forgetfulness is not to be purchased with a wish and i cannot bestow my esteem on all who desire it unless they deserve it too i shall think my life well spent in labouring to deserve it if you will but pardon this offence will you yes yes but that is coldly spoken give me your hand and i'll believe you you won't then mrs huntingdon you do not forgive me yes here it is and my forgiveness with it only sin no more he pressed my cold hand with sentimental fervour but said nothing and stood aside to let me pass into the room where all the company were now assembled mr grimsby was seated near the door on seeing me enter almost immediately followed by hargrave he leered at me with a glance of intolerable significance as i passed i looked him in the face till he sullenly turned away if not ashamed at least confounded for the moment meantime hattersley had seized hargrave by the arm and was whispering something in his ear some coarse joke no doubt for the latter neither laughed nor spoke in answer but turning from him with a slight curl of the lip disengaged himself and went to his mother who was telling lord lowborough how many reasons she had to be proud of her son thank heaven they are all going tomorrow end of volume 2 chapter 16 recording by expatriate in bangor maine